1: Get IXL now. And listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at iXL.com slash audio. Visit iXL.com slash audio to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price.
2: No one is is is, is, is more locked in. From Thursday to Monday, no one is more locked into the NFL than First and Pod. Hosted by Danny Parkin and Andrew Fillapoli. it's First and Pod. Thank you for being with us throughout the offseason. Danny Parkins, Andrew Filipponi, produced by Spencer Ray. I feel like we might need to do an impromptu draft, Pony, even though we're pausing the the draft today. Those have been very fun.
0: Yeah, well, you need a little fun because you've been getting uh, college coaches fired there uh, in Chicago. So you've been doing your Big J journalism work. So you probably need a maybe a breath of fresh air or come up for oxygen from doing all that stuff. So yeah, I'm game about- for, any, for anything like that. You're, you're trying to uh, basically blow up the athletic program of one of the premier private universities in all of uh, America. That's fine. I mean, the guys deserve it from everything I've read and everything you've reported, but you've been doing some very serious. It's supposed to be like the slowest week of the year and you've decided to just napalm <laughs> uh a, a baseball program I didn't even know Northwestern had a baseball program to be honest, I saw a about it
2: To be honest, I barely did uh, and then it was a weird thing for anyone who doesn't know yeah the uh, the head coach of Northwestern got fired uh, today as we are recording this on a Wednesday.
0: and it's because of your reporting so he probably hates your guts right now. Have you well, gotten any was- hate mail from you yet? Is he, from him yet? Has he sent any FUs or get F'd or anything like that?
2: He wasn't too happy with me when I got him on the phone on Monday. Uh, so, yeah, just to whiteboard it for the podcast audience very briefly Northwestern football hazing scandal, Pat Fitzgerald. Uh, and I get a call on Sunday from someone that I knew, a source. And he's like, I got a story to tell you. I'm truncating the story here tremendously. And he tells me about that they've been like trying to get some publicity on this Northwestern baseball guy. Who's a complete tyrant. I'm like, I don't know anything about what you're talking about. He tells me the whole story. I'm like, man, that's unbelievable. But like, do you have anyone who will corroborate like what you're saying? And he's like, yeah. (laughs) And all of a sudden three X, you know, coaches or people close to the program and six players and everyone's like going like, yeah, you can quote me. You can quote me. I'm like, oh, this is unbelievable. Then get the dude on the phone, bullying, sexual harassment, toxic workplace culture, allegations of racism, all this stuff. Mm. Went 10 and 40 last year. Then get him on the phone and he is like, oh, it's not it's ridiculous that I'm racist. I'm friends with the soccer coach and he's African-American. I'm like, oh. This guy's playing the I have a black friend card. And then it's like, well, what about the comment that you made about the female manager and the that you didn't want her on the field because guys would be looking at her ass and the tight baseball pants? He goes, no, what I said was that when I came from West Point at Army, the women had to wear the Army issued clothing and they didn't wear the tight baseball pants. So, you know, that's what I was talking about. I was mm. like, you were at Rhode Island and Maryland. like. <laughs> This isn't your first experience. Like, it was just like, the guy was just not terribly bright. And uh, and then, man, the craziest thing, so I do the story, and I've gotten like over a dozen people thanking me, including people from Army and Rhode Island, being like, that's nothing. It was worse here, because he was under HR investigation, so he was like kind of on his best behavior. And then, yeah, like, I think you would have been fired on Monday afternoon, honestly, if not for the Pat Fitzgerald stuff. So it's been a weird week. I've never done anything like that. Like, I've broken the occasional story here and there. You've broken more stories, it feels like, than me. But, like, a story with, like, victims and, like, actual consequences of someone losing
0: their job, I've never done anything close to that before. Have you? Well, yeah, not to, like, go too far down the rabbit hole. I know this is a football podcast, but this is kind of tangentially related to that. It's like the slowest week of the sports calendar. It's okay. so, so I had to live, you know, with the ground zero effect of the Joe Paterno, Jerry Sandusky scandal. It's, it, it's, it's, more, uh, it's way more a Sandusky scandal than anything else. Because he was the, obviously the monster right. that was doing all this. But So I had to do that, you know, when that was going on at Penn State in 2011. And so I was 25 at the time, so relatively new to the market. And like, that was really serious. Yeah. And I wonder now, like, I've never gone back and listened to any of that stuff, or even like gone back to see maybe like what I said at the time about it. But I do wonder like how I would talk about that if that happened today, if that was dropped into my lap, and I'm 30, and I'm 37 now. You know, do I do I handle that or do I react to that differently than I did even back then? Because, you know, that was as explosive as a story as I've ever seen. And just like, oh, yeah, people were, you know, so fired up about it. And Penn State alums and people wanted to stick up for Paterno and everything else. So, yeah, we lived that for months. That was that was an ongoing saga. That's probably the closest thing I have to what you guys had to do this week with the Northwestern football stuff.
2: Yeah, and this and this n- neither the the hazing at the football nor what happened with Jim Foster in baseball even approaches the Perno right. Penn State situation obviously. Uh but it was just like a weird you know, I've been like cussed out by sources or whatever, but like just like the direct line from report to action is something that I've never really it's not like breaking like that Bears-Packers is going to be week six on Sunday Night Football. You know, it's just a, it's just a weird thing. Yeah. And uh, enough
0: times gone by where, you know, I think I still don't think that people are completely over that. But that's one of those situations where when you take a stand on something like that, you run the risk of, like, alienating listeners forever. That's the problem with stories like that. Yeah, is that there's such deep rooted, you know, emotional feelings, people that went to school at those places, you know, in Paterno's case, he was a godlike figure there. So when you take a stand on that or take a side, you know, it is damned if you do damned if you don't, if you're supportive of the guy, everyone that isn't connected to the school is going to crush you for it. And if you do go against him, well, then all the Penn State football alums are going to. You know, crush you. So that was just really, that was a really difficult situation. Those are like when you're in the middle of it, it gives you daily content. And if it, it, you feel like you're making a difference when you're talking about those things, you have a captive audience, but it's, it takes a toll on you because it gets super personal. And like, I think that's one of those things where when people say, I'm not going to listen to you again, that's way different than when you say like Justin Fields isn't going to be a franchise quarterback. Right. Right? I mean, absolutely. Absolutely. It's, it's, it's weird. It's, it's like if you ever do dip your toes
2: into politics or like a political issue because you feel passionate about it or like the high religious Park.
0: issue. Yeah. I mean, stuff like it, that. Yeah.
2: Yeah. They're like, they're like, I'm done with you. I'm like, so you can disagree with me about sports, movies, Blondes or brunettes, like, you know what I mean? Ice cream, you could disagree with me about it, but like this issue, you can't even stomach one thing that's like a different thought than you. Like that's, it's a a weird cult-like obsession that people have with some of these things, man. It's not good, frankly. (laughs) You, You shouldn't feel that way about sports, certainly. Nor politics, nor frankly anything other than like loving and supporting your family. And thank you for coming to my TED Talk. Um, so we can handle the easy one first, I suppose. We have a hard knocks team, jets, obvious decision, Aaron Rodgers and all of the drama and the star power. And I would say the best season of hard knocks in the history of the show, Rex Ryan's hard knock season with the Jets. So it comes a little full circle we've talked about the waning significance and influence of this show given that every team has its own inside access material that they put out there and that the show has become somewhat formulaic does it feel to you like this is the last great chance for hard knocks to be culturally relevant because if like you can't play this hand of pocket aces that aaron rodgers with with the jets was forced upon you then the show's just irrelevant going forward because that's how i feel.
0: Well, i think Aaron Rodgers needs to own it. I think Aaron Rodgers needs to accept the fact that there's some behind the curtain stuff that's going on. And i think if there's a real i think there's i think it's really hard right now to get athletes to buy into that stuff unless they're going to unless they see the benefit of it. Like i don't know exactly the financial terms that were worked out for this quarterback Netflix series. But something tells me that, like, Mahomes, Cousins, and Mariota didn't just agree to this because they wanted some el- altruistic fiber in them, was like, yeah, follow me around for an entire year. That'll be good for posterity. My kids will be able to watch this 10 years from now. I think like- it's it, Mahomes'. Is- but like
2: got a production company of some sort, like right. Mahomes has a stake in the game.
0: Yeah, exactly. Like these guys didn't just agree to do this because they thought it would be good publicity, or they thought in the long run it would like give them some kind of notoriety. Right. Like, okay. There's no upfront financial gain, but maybe there's something long term. Um. So what's in it for Aaron Rodgers to play ball? with HBO in these NFL films, people, that's what I want to know. Like that to me is the whole key to this thing. The star of last year's hard knocks was the coach, the coach, because the lions and the NFL and their constant, you know, like reaching up towards and trying to grab relevance. Right. They had a coach who felt like he could use the show as, a, as an instrument or as a vehicle to like make his team a relevant team and put them on the map. Unless Rodgers is going to get something out of this from HBO, I don't see how he's a willing participant in this. You know, he's got the McAfee thing. You know, he's found a way to get his message out there in a way that he thinks benefits him and helps him. I'm not sure this show is going to be able to get that out of him, that he's just going to want to play to the cameras. And that's the key to the whole thing for me. Rex Ryan was a larger-than-life personality. The times that the show has been successful, the coach has embraced the show. I don't see Robert Sala embracing hard knocks. I think it all hinges on Roger's willingness to use this to add to his profile, and I just think he's past that. At 39 years old. Well, he he clearly uses McAfee to enhance his profile.
2: You know, so is he going to... That's on his terms. Well, right. It's on on his terms. So will he see benefit to that? But I will also say, and Florio has said this, it would kind of be interesting if they went the other way. Like, they don't want to be there, but the cameras are going to be there. And so is everything that gets exposed going to be like through protest? Because one of the things that has been a bummer about Hard Knocks is that you realize that like it is sanitized and the team does have some final say over what actually gets released on Wednesday nights on HBO. But if the Jets just don't play ball, but the cameras are there and everything that comes out, the Jets don't want out, that could be compelling too so he either needs to play ball or the storyline of the show has to be they don't want us here you know and i don't i don't see them doing that frankly like i don't i don't see them being that antagonistic with their subject matter but it's kind of wild that it's just written into the contract that there's these parameters that if you don't hit, making the playoffs, first year head coach, been on the show in the last 10 years. If you don't hit any of those three parameters, they can force you to do it. And they did. They One of the four teams that they could force to do it, did it. So I, I hope that that's a storyline on the show. I think that, that the reluctance
0: might be compelling. I would monetize every player. I would I I think that if your team is on hard knocks, it should it should be negotiated in that at all ninety players that are there, they get a small little check, like a royalty check that you'd get for being on a TV show, that gets sent to each player. And look, I mean, if you're Aaron Rodgers and you're making fifty million dollars a year, all right, you know, an extra. 50 grand or whatever is not going to be the the big difference. Right. But at least they're compensating you for your participation. I don't think that's how it works. If it does, then someone will probably let us know at some point once they listen back to this. But I just think they they need to make it worth it for the teams that do it. And I think that usually... The carrot that they dangle in front of them is your team hasn't been good. You missed the playoffs. We're going to give you this month of publicity that is going to get eyeballs on your team and interest in your team. I think the Jets have just done this so many times that they don't see as an organization the, like they don't see the payoff to it anymore. And so with all the expectations they have on them now, I think they should just lean into it. Like Woody Johnson should be telling Robert Sala, like, you know, have some cockiness about this. Don't like, don't, don't feel like you have to be the coach who gives the sanitized politically correct cliched answers on things. Like we're the jets. We're in New York. We're in the number one media market. We compete with another team in this city to get attention. The whole Vibe of our franchise goes back to when we signed Joe Namath, the glitziest athlete in, like, pro football history. That should be our personality. We should strive to be the Los Angeles Lakers of the NFL. And so let's embrace this. But. I mean, I I, I got to be honest. For the first time in a while, I'm excited to watch. I might be out by episode two. Well, you got into the Lions one. You and- got into the and then that became one of your adopted teams, even though you're a Bears guy.
2: Yeah, but it was the he Lions. You bought into it. it. it, it, it the, my Lions interest was not only hard knocks based. It was somewhat hard knocks based. But, but I, I, I think that this could be actually like legitimately compelling if they, if they do it well. I'm just fairly dubious uh, that they will.
3: Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master new skill. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's Lifetime Membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today.
1: Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE.
2: What do you make of Ben? It's Ben Volan, right? Is how he pronounced his last name? Yep. In the Boston Globe, the idea that Bill Belichick might be in trouble and there's split allegiances and there's a disagreement over Mac Jones and they got a tough decision to make on him next year. And that there's just trouble in paradise that is the Robert Kraft, Bill Belichick, perfect owner, coach union with the New England Patriots.
0: So I think Bill, I think Bill Belichick should be allowed to get the Mac Jones thing wrong. And I think he's going to get it wrong. And I think that even though they made a good change in their offensive play calling and offensive philosophy by getting rid of the you know ridiculous combination of Patricia and Judge and replacing them with Bill O'Brien, who I think is still one of the best coaching minds he was an awful gm in in houston but as a game day coach and as a game game day offensive playmate play um play caller some of his in-game decisions as a head coach were not great but i think in terms of the roster and getting the most out of it i think if you strictly leave him to that he's good so i think that hire was a good one but even if jones fails i still think like i still feel like It's a rash decision because Tom Brady won a Super Bowl in Tampa Bay and won the divorce to want to move on from Belichick this quickly. I think he's allowed a mulligan. He's won six Super Bowls. He's 25 and 25 since Brady left. If you flip it, if they go eight and nine the first year after Brady with Mac Jones and then go 10 and seven and lose in the playoffs we have a completely different opinion of the Patriots is that they went 10 and seven and then eight and nine. So we look at them as like a team that's trending in the worst possible direction. And they're going to be, you know, abjectly like an abject failure. Like they're going to be excruciatingly hard to watch this year. Um, Yeah. I think if they go seven and 10, you punt on Jones and you go draft another quarterback or bring somebody else in, and Belichick in his early 70s should be allowed to figure that out. Not sorry, Bill, you screwed this up. You picked, you drafted the wrong guy. Let's get some young blood in here. I, I can't even fathom that it's really a question. And I also
2: don't think it's really much of a debate or much intrigue about whether or not he got it wrong with Mac Jones. I think he fell for his friend Nick Saban, Advocating for the guy, yep, and that he's smart between the ears, and that he impressed on the chalkboard at the senior bowl. And like, it's like, oh, Brady was smart and a football computer who could process things. This guy's smart and a football computer who could process things with limited athleticism. I'll just build the next Tom Brady. It's the height of arrogance. The league has gotten way more athletic at the position. Brady is even more of like, Brady was an an anomaly in his time and his prime, but there were a ton of dudes like him. You know like Like Matt Ryan was like Tom Brady. Peyton Manning was like Tom Brady. Phillip Rivers was like Tom Brady. They weren't as good. They weren't as smart. They didn't have the longevity. They didn't win, but like they were, you could squint and see them. Sure. How many quarterbacks in the league are like Mac Jones? It is a real short list. And then, like, how many of the top 10 quarterbacks are like Mac Jones? I think the answer is like zero. You know, like that that just that's just not like what's Mac Jones's absolute best case scenario? Kirk Cousins? If everything in the world worked out for him? And so Jared Goff. Yeah, okay. Yeah, sure. Geno Smith. Okay not none of them like golf statistically was a top 10 guy last year but no one would say independent of situation that they are top 10 talents in the NFL guys you win because of and not you know with or in spite of and so I think he got it wrong I think he was desperate I think he took bad advice but like the article reads the Crafts are invested in Jones succeeding. Belichick, meanwhile, barely wants to say Jones's name in public. That's because Bill Belichick can evaluate football talent. Like, he knows what he has or doesn't have, but because he's such a damn good coach, they're never going to be 4-13 and, and in position to take the best quarterback in the draft. So, if I was... Them, I'd be really interested in like focusing on like building up the other 52 men roster right. and making it appealing for like Derek Carr should have
0: wanted to go there. So I think that these situations where you have a very active owner who cares a lot about not just how much money he makes, but the team performance and craft. And basically for two decades, he's had someone who's won but had but, but had a lot of autonomy. You know, there are examples like when Brady went to Kraft and said, get rid of Jimmy Garoppolo, and that one out. Like there are examples of the owner getting involved. But for the most part, Belichick has done so well that even when he got rid of guys that were Kraft favorites, Kraft trusted him. Well, now the dynamic has shifted. And I do think, and I hate to bring this up, but I think it's I think it's part of the conversation. I think when you have a very old owner who like sees the football mortality thing, like how much longer am I going to be able to do this the way that I'm doing it? Like, I think that the urgency gets elevated. And so when he sees Mac Jones struggle in, and, and looks at the AFC landscape, like I think he wants results right away and now, and I think that's what makes Belichick. Okay. Jimmy, Jimmy, like look at Jimmy Johnson and, and Jerry Jones. You know, like I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna let you, yeah, we won with you, but the first sign of maybe things dipping off or tailing off, like, screw it. I want to do it myself. Like, I wonder if Kraft is just tired of the Belichick reign and wants to do it differently and is just looking for a way to get out of it you know, and if, and if, and if, and I know he's got kids that are involved, but if Robert Kraft is 50 and not like late seventies or early eighties, I don't know if he's early eighties yet, but like not late seventies, I don't think he looks at this the same way. Do you? I know. I think age,
2: you know, wisdom with age, age with wisdom, you know, it comes together and stubbornness and pride and desperation and You said football mortality, like real mortality, and Belichick probably feels the same thing. Like, they've just been also, man, bad at drafting. Like, I I don't know how anyone would have looked at that situation when Brady left and said, our best path is the fifth best quarterback in this draft, which is what they took, Mac Jones as, as opposed to, Robert Kraft is 82 and Belichick's 71 thank you Spencer but as opposed to if if they if Belichick would have been like nailing these draft picks and the roster would have been really good well then maybe Brady never leaves in the first place but like like I said they should have been a spot for Derek Carr this year or Aaron Rodgers this year like
0: why wouldn't it have been well if you listen to Craig Carton they were a spot for Aaron Rodgers yeah. Rodgers just didn't want to play there. I believe well, but, that. But of, but of course he didn't want to play there because the roster isn't very good. But I but, but I've had people tell me like I had Steelers people tell me and I had I had I, I, and I've had Eagles people tell me this too. That when the Patriots would run out of the tunnel and they would look at their players, even when they were great, they would just be stunned that the team had like an 11 and 1 record. Like, yeah. yeah, you had Rob Gronkowski and Randy Moss and you'd have Darrell Revis on a one-year contract and you'd have guys like that that would latch on to the Patriots. But if you went up and down the 53-man roster, they never really had guys that just blew you away. They just, they they just They were well-coached, they could execute the game plan and they had the greatest quarterback of all time. And they had maybe two or three other guys that had been cut by other teams, or they had traded for, who Belichick smartly acquired, who, you know, were excellent talents. But very rarely, Danny, were they drafted guys. They very rarely draft guys based on physical skills. They draft guys who he thinks he can coach into good players. It's it always goes back to that. How often do they draft like the combine freak? They never do that other than like Aaron Hernandez, you know, like they just don't do that a lot. So that's always been like their roster on paper. Like it always looks like that where it's like, how, how are these guys so good? Well, for 20 years, they had the best quarterback and the best player in the history of the sport. And now they don't. <laughs> and, and and now
2: they, and now they don't. But it, I guess if you thought, if, that was what was the belief of the players in the league. Then Derek Carr should have wanted to go there. Yeah.
0: You know, like why not? I mean, Danny, when they beat the Rams in the Super Bowl, they had David no. Patton, Troy Brown, Antoine Smith, and Jermaine Wiggins no, as their course. skill position guys.
2: Yeah. They, Julian Edelman and Wes Welker were turned into all pro caliber weapons, you know what I mean? Yeah, no, it was it was an unbelievable thing. Now Gronkowski is a first ballot Hall of Famer, and Moss, Moss. and Revis. yeah, they they had some dudes for sure. But it's I think that Belichick Belichick is no longer the best coach in the NFL. That is Andy Reid, but Andy Reid also now has the generational quarterback. So. And not to turn it into like a first take debate style topic, right? But just like, it's possible that Bill Belichick is slipping. And he has lost the divorce. But I still think that his best path to winning is not drafting a quarterback. Because I find it highly unlikely that they will be bad enough to get a top pick. And maybe they'll trade a bunch of draft picks to move up. But that'll still take a while. So... If I were them, I would be very focused on who is a 32-year-old quarterback that we could bring in here for a five-year run for Bill Belichick's mid-70s. That's what I'd be looking for if I was them. Who is that guy? I mean, I keep saying Derek Carr, but like whoever the next Derek Carr would be, you know, I mean, like... If Minnesota got rid of Kirk Cousins, oh, dude, I know. Come on. Well, what? Okay, so how bad are they going to be
0: this year? So that's that. Really is the is the big question. So I think on paper they're the last place team in that division, and they're probably like the tenth best team in the AFC. Uh, maybe even yeah. maybe even lower than that. I mean, they might even be eleventh or twelfth, but. I, on the back of my mind is the thought that they surprise people, win 10 games this year, and win a playoff game. Like, that's on the board for me with them. That's not on the board with like some of the other teams that I think stink in the AFC, but it is with them. Oh, I think it's, I think it's in play.
2: Listen, man, if you have an awful quarterback and limited talent on the roster when, Deshaun Watson is like the eighth best quarterback in the AFC you could you could be bad but I I I just it's hard to imagine Bill Belichick winning fewer than six or seven games
0: yeah and I think if you flipped it I think if Belichick was Cleveland's coach they could win the Super Bowl this year exactly exactly right You know this Saquon Barkley thing. Oh yeah, I really believe that if he takes this holdout into the season, it's going to completely ruin his career. on Bell style. And if I were in his shoes, I think it's a really, it's a really, really, really tough call. It's it it is. It's excruciatingly tough. Dalvin Cook still doesn't have a contract. Leonard Fournette's not on a team. Zeke Elliott is a free agent. Your guy that you drafted in a running back's draft, Joe Mixon might still get cut because he's making so much money and has such a big cap hit. And some of those guys that I just mentioned are fallback options for the Bengals. So it really is a tough world to live in if you're an NFL running back. So it's the it's the one position where like the franchise tag number has gone down. Right. Right? I mean, everything else goes up in today's NFL, this number goes down. I think Barkley's is 10. When I covered the Le'Veon Bell saga in Pittsburgh, it was like 14-plus for him. And that's going back now five years. But the running back thing, too, I believe this is not Emmett Smith 20 years ago. It is so hard, I believe, to, to shut it down and then start back up. And we've already seen Barkley struggle with injuries. I feel bad for him. I do but i think he's got to take the giants offer like the idea that the grass might be greener someplace else or he can play chicken i don't think he can i think that's the nature of the beast in the position that he plays i think he's got to take the offer that's on the table from them and be happy that there is you know a 10 plus million dollar multi-year deal that's available to him right now yeah, he's a
2: you you covered the Le'Veon Bell thing very closely. He's a freak of nature athletically, so if anyone could shut it down and start it back up, it would be him. Um I do feel bad for running backs in general, right? Like he he got paid a huge amount of money based on where he was drafted and it's a huge amount of money, but I do think that there's an argument to be made that it would be in the NFL PA's best interest. To not necessarily fight for the removal of the franchise tag, which they obviously would love to get rid of, but the owners won't go for something like that, but to try to come up with a more equitable system and argue like positionless football. Like you hear the term positionless basketball in the NBA. Now it's really, it's not really point guard, shooting guard, small forward, power forward center. But it's just, it's all interchangeable and it's motion offense and that sort of thing. Like, Travis Kelsey is right. He is underpaid. But it's just because tight end is next to his name. If Bijan Robinson has 125 carries, but he has 65 catches this year. I mean, 65
0: catches would be what? A top? Thirty receiver in the NFL. No, I don't think it would be that high, but it'd still be. It'd be that's that. That's like number two, three receiver production. Probably more wide receiver three.
2: But it, it would. De- it would depend on the yardage that he got off of it, I guess. Like it, so, and then certainly in like yards from scrimmage, he'd be top ten in the NFL if those end up being his numbers. Same thing with Jameer Gibbs in, in Detroit. So. I know this is like a tangential point to what you're saying about Saquon, but like when I hear these guys say like they're fighting for the position, they should take their money. But in the next round of CBAs, there should be some sort of like the cap figure should, they should figure out a way, at least for the skill position guys, to have like an equation of yards from scrimmage or, projection based on some agreed-upon model, something like that. Because Travis Kelsey's more receiver than he is tight end. And Saquon Barkley's more offensive weapon than he is running back.
0: Yeah, I mean, the Kelsey thing I empathize with because he's been able to do it at such a high level into his 30s, which is the argument against the running backs. Like, even if they did what you're describing, I don't think that teams would want to put that tag on the running back because the demands of the position – make it harder for these players to repeat performance year after year. Like for me with these running backs, the only way that it would change, and it won't because the league doesn't like it this way, but the only way for their value to go up is if they came up with something that made passing the football more difficult. If they didn't protect protect quarterbacks as much, right? And if that, they allowed if they allowed for defensive backs to get away with more, that's the only way that we would go back to running backs being more valuable. So they have the, the 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 way the league is structured now has ruined it for these guys. You know, I've heard people say, "Well, don't have the running backs count against the cap." I still don't think that they would get paid a lot of money. I don't because there's so many analytical minds that run that run the sport now that would say it's just not a good investment whether it counts against the cap or not. We can't count on Saquon Barkley to be a 15 million dollar player 3 or four years from now. Well though so, it, would, it would it would be uh you would get they'd get a
2: lot of money but they wouldn't get long-term deals.
0: Which is like, what which like, is what these guys like Josh Jacobs and Saquon Barkley what are. Tr- yes. Yeah, of course. There's no, in my opinion, there's no solution to it. There's not until we see teams, until we see teams win on the backs of running backs, it's not going to change. But even if we did, I mean, the Niners easily could have won on the back of
2: Christian McCaffrey last year. Traded for him, and he's expensive. But it would still be argued as an outlier situation, and they still wouldn't want to give him a new four-year contract tomorrow. They they, they made that
0: trade to try to win last I, year and this year's Super Bowl. Well, I think he would be looked at as one of the best running backs that's won a Super Bowl in recent years. But I think overall we'd still say they have the number one defense in the NFL. They have an offensive mastermind coach. All of that contributes Very to line. Look at, yeah Yeah, look at all the stuff around him. You know, so I think even then, if they had done it with McCaffrey in San Francisco, there's still a bunch of other reasons as to why the team uh, was successful. But yeah, like, I think this is just a losing battle for for Barkley. And the other thing I would say in these situations to these guys is, don't do it because you're thinking about like I want to reset the market for everybody. Make a selfish de- decision. You know, take the. You know, even if it's not all guaranteed, take the sixty million dollar contract that guarantees you like twenty five to thirty million dollars, and put that money in your back pocket, and don't worry about like the other running backs' negotiation. Like, do something that's for you as a guy that has suffered a litany of injuries, that has missed time, that's going to give you a lot of money, you know, for the rest of your life.
2: All right, quick, two-round, two-person ice cream flavor draft. Oh, God. All right, go first. Ben and Jerry's Half-Baked. You're an idiot. I
0: it's, don't even
2: know what's in Half-Baked. Oh, you're – okay, well, then prepare to have your mind blown. Chocolate, vanilla, cookie dough, brownie. Boom. Boom.
0: Too Got much four going. Four best flavors. Too much going on. No, and brownie brownie's not a flavor. <laughs> it's a separate dessert. You well, don't go to an. You don't go to ice flavors cream. flavors and two best toppings. You don't go to an ice cream shop and say, "I'll have the brownie." That's not how it works. Uh, Wait, vanilla. is the right. Yeah. No, vanilla's the right pick, because then you can take all of those other things that you love, and you can put those on it or in it. If you're gonna make a sundae. You need vanilla ice cream. So it's always the first pick. You just overcomplicated this. I wasn't even prepared for this draft, and I'm still kicking your ass at it. Vanilla ice cream. It's been around for 100 years. There's a reason why it's still the number one ice cream. People have evolved, but their ice cream tastes have not. Well, you think it's like toilet paper? Yes. No, no. The, the key here was ice
2: cream flavor. The idea was that we're adding other things to the ice cream. I'm not talking about, I'm not I'm not talking about the the wheel. I'm not talking about the most
0: versatile ice cream. I'm talking about what is the best ice cream flavor? So the ice cream on its own that tastes the best. People just don't eat ice cream plain. They put whipped cream and nuts and shit on it, Danny, and hot fudge. People don't eat ice cream plain. They do, but that's not that's not the only purpose of it. Do you
2: see what it is? It's an ice cream flavor draft that i just sprung on you. You just took you just took a blue button-down shirt with the first pick in the draft. You
0: you just you, you just, have no room to talk about style at any point. Don't try to make an analogy to clothes, okay? I look I look great. I'm fine. All right, take your take your second flavor. I go back to back?
2: Are you new to drafts?
0: Well, and it, when it's only two people, I wasn't sure if you still did a little snake action. I'll go first thing. and fourth. Okay. All right, I'll take chocolate peanut butter. Mm. it's a good pick. <laughs> yeah, talk your shit now, buddy. It's a good pick. It's a good pick. It's a good value. I'll take cookies and cream. Uh, I'm just happy that you didn't take. I, I'm just happy you didn't take uh, cookie dough. I, I already just... have cookie dough in my half baked. Oh. Because again, it's no brownie chocolate. I just have never understood why would people want a cookie that's not baked in an ice cream? Why wouldn't they just want, like you just did, you have a nice cooked, finished cookie product that is now in your ice cream instead of the gooey, not finished ice cream or not finished cookie in there. What's the appeal of the unfinished cookie? I don't. Have get you it. ever had cookie dough? It's delicious. That's the. Appeal. I just I bite into it and I just want a regular cookie when I try it. Oh no, it's really good. Like, why isn't there an ice cream flavor that is just hard chocolate chip cookie pieces that are put into the ice cream? That sounds way better than cookie dough for me. I no, might have stumbled no, upon no, something. no, no, no. You don't like if you're making chocolate chip cookies. You don't like to like. What do you like mean? Like no, no, no. You just drafted a, an Oreo cookie that was crushed up. So why not crush up a chocolate chip cookie and make that cookies and cream? Because I already spin-off. had cookie dough. I'm disagreeing with you. on. I'm cookie. telling you that to have the hard cookie in there instead of the soft cookie, bro. It's okay. worked with Oreos for all these years. Do it with cook with chocolate chip cookies.
2: I will say that why cookies and cream, it's a great ice cream on its own, and it's the best milkshake flavor.
0: Oh, so now we're getting so I can't do Sundays, but you can fucking do milkshakes, you clown. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I'm just saying, it's the best milkshake flavor. You know. You know what's an ice cream flavor that I think should get you punched in the face if it's your favorite? Mint chocolate chip. I agree. (laughs) (laughs) It tastes like toothpaste. I mean, get out of here. Anyone that's, you know, we love all our subscribers. But please, if you're a mint chocolate chip cookie lover or mint chocolate chip ice cream lover, you need to do like a self-check. Like do like a full like inventory of where you are in life. Right. Right. Agreed. And, like, consider, you know, maybe where things went wrong Agreed. in the past to get you to a point where you crave mint chip ice cream. If, Just, if you like mint
2: chocolate uh, chip, we're saying right now, go listen to the Ross Tucker podcast. That's what we're saying.
0: This is not the podcast for you. Now, do you think it's old man, old man of me to say that I'm a pistachio ice cream fan? All right, we got to go. <laughs> yeah,
2: <you gotta> go. <laughs> Spencer Ray is our producer, he's Andrew Filippone, I'm Danny Parkins, first and pod. Peace.